Amen. God is good. And all the time. Amen. So good to have you, family, this morning. Um, all roads lead to conference. And I uh, promise after conference, I'll give the team a rest. <laughs> you guys did so well yesterday uh, to the children's ministry. How many kids did we have? About 50? 50, between 50 and 60 kids. It was just a beautiful time. And um, I was saying uh, to Zoe, you know, in spite of the weather and, and some issues, um, it's good to see the team come together, uh, innovate, uh, improvise. And uh, it's something we must understand about ministry is that ministry is not a one-man show. It's not about the man of power and faith for the hour. Uh, ministry has always been about teamwork. God's work is teamwork. Jesus never operated alone. He operated with a team. God himself operates as a team. When, when Jesus was born and baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And he said, the miracles you see I do by the finger of God, by the Holy Spirit. He says, I only do what I see the Father doing, you know, and what the Father tells me. So God operates as a team. And ministry works when, the, when it's a concerted, collected effort. Amen. So well done to you guys. And um, we have some tremendous men of God coming around in, in December. Uh, men that have been significant voices in our own very land and I'm looking forward to it um, if you with me say amen amen, amen. Uh, this morning we we start a new series uh, and I've titled it redeeming the time redeeming the time because time is our most precious commodity uh, this morning I want to title the message in itself flip the script yes. flip the script turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 would you Ephesians chapter 5 when you're there please give me an amen can I get some more amens Ephesians chapter 5 and excuse me we're reading from verses 15 <laughs> see that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil see that you walk circumspectly in other words that you walk in wisdom that you walk with discretion, that you walk uprightly, that you walk with prudence, not as the fools do, not as those who lack understanding, but walk as those who are wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. Amen. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for an opportunity to be in your presence. I know there are a few here that contemplated laying under the blankets, the cup of coffee, hot chocolate, binge watching their favorite TV show on Netflix. But somehow your spirit reminded them 
not to be fair with the Christians but to carry the weather with them and so I pray Lord you make this moment special that you speak to our hearts anoint this frail vessel to speak as an oracle this morning let the spirit of the Lord minister to our hearts let us feel your warmth let us hear your voice and let us experience your presence in a tangible way in Jesus name and everybody says amen amen, amen. sorry I just asked the, the wife just to give me something warm for the throat thank you If you know your Bible and you understand and if you understand scripture you will know that the Bible is a redemptive narrative from the very time Adam took his first breath to the final song of redemption that we sing in eternity God has always been about redemption redemption has always been the determination of God scripture tells us that God's redemptive heart is made bare when he sends his son the Bible says in Corinthians chapter 15 it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself forgiving our trespasses God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself because he is a redemptive God and he has a redemptive heart Bible again says in in first Peter that he's not willing that any should perish but it all should come to the saving knowledge of his son he's determined to redeem Bible says not only is it his heart and his intention and his motive to redeem but it's one thing having the intent to redeem but it's another thing having the power to redeem so he not only has the heart and intent to redeem he has the power he has the ability to redeem but the Bible says that his arm is not too short that he cannot save no, his ear to dull that he cannot hear. He's determined to redeem. It's the determination of God to bring about redemption. He's both willing and able yes. to redeem. And when we come to the creation context and the story of our beginnings, the Bible says that God takes center stage and on the center stage of creation he's presented with a world that the Bible says is without form and is void and darkness covers the face of the deep so he's presented with this chaotic mass he's presented with this watery abyss and then all of a sudden in the speaking of God when God speaks in the utterance of God chaos surrenders to the order of God darkness yields and is eclipsed by the light as God says let there be light 
And as he speaks, everything that was empty is impregnated with life. Because there's power in his word. And so when he speaks, he not only creates the content of the universe, the celestial bodies and the stars and solar systems and galaxies, but, but when God speaks, he starts the clock. But the Bible says he separated the darkness from the light and he called the light day and he called the darkness night. And so it was. God started the clock and he set man in the construct of time. And by placing man in the passage of time, we became time people. We are time people. We are placed in the construct of time and we are made for time. He himself being transcendent, not governed by time. He lives in the eternal now. He transcends time. But when he made us, he made us in the construct of time. And so we are time people created for time. The rhythm of our life is always associated with the clock, with time. Time is measurable. We like to measure time quantitatively. We speak about the cycle of seasons. We speak about the duration of a life. When we speak about time, we refer to a, people as, how old are you? How fast did it go? How frequent did it happen? Because time is measured quantitatively. Time is not only measured quantitatively, but time is associated with value. We like to use metaphors of economy to refer to time. We say time is money. We say don't waste my time. As though you can waste time like you waste money and as though you can save time like you can save money, but essentially you cannot. Because the value of time far exceeds the value of money. Time is a non-renewable resource. Once time is gone, it is gone. Finishing class. Once the clock of life is wound, you cannot turn the handles back. People who disregard time have not truly discovered the value of time. We are a time people. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. There is a correlation between time and purpose. Miles Monroe, the late Miles Monroe said that a life without purpose is time without meaning. 
because you cannot separate time and purpose God has given time for an intended purpose the fact that you still have time means that you have a purpose That's what the psalmist says in Psalm 90 and verse 12. He says, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So the Bible says in Acts chapter 13 that David served the purposes of God in his generation, in his time. He served the purposes of God because time is given to you to fulfill a purpose. The slogan of, of rebirth is taken from the book of Esther. And I'm sure you all are aware of the, of the account and the story of, of Esther. <coughs> but in the scattered Persian kingdom, King Azahorus is the king of Persia. And he had promoted Haman to be his right hand. And Haman has a pure hatred for the Jews. He hates the Jews with a fury from hell and is determined to extinguish every lost Jew. And so he formulates a decree to say every Jew must be annihilated. Mordecai hears this, this about this, this decree and Mordecai and the children of Israel tear their clothes and mourn. They mourn for days, knowing that they're going to be breathing their loss in a few days from then. And while in sackcloth and in ashes, Esther was promoted to become the queen to the king of Persia. And so she seems to be in a safe place. She's the queen of Persia. And she hears about the decree of Haman from Mordecai and Mordecai challenges her and you know at, at Ribat I don't want us to think of our slogan for a time such as this as you know a fluffy comforting encouraging slogan like God's called you for a time like this you have a no 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 I want you to think of it in the context of scripture, okay? Esther says to Mordecai and says, the king has a law that no one can approach his courts without punishment, without being invited. If you are uninvited, the only punishment is death. Only punishment is death. Even if you're the queen. Even the queen was liable for death. They had some crazy laws, <laughs> okay. But anyway, Esther says to Mordecai, I haven't been invited to the king's court for 30 days, for 30 whole days. If I make an attempt, I will surely die. And Mordecai says these words to her, to challenge her and to disrupt her self-preserving attitude. He said, if if you don't go to the king, don't think that you will escape because you are Jew. You and your household will be destroyed. It's not going to make a difference. But know this, that salvation may come for the Jews from somewhere else because he's, the Jews are God's chosen people. 
But who knows that maybe you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Maybe this was your purpose. This is why you received the promotion. This is why you breathe and live. That God can use you to bring redemption to the Jews. And so Esther understood her purpose. And boldly you know the story. She received the rebuke from Mordecai. And she went into the king's court. And as a result, the Jews and Hebrews were saved. Because of Esther's boldness. And hard to put away her self-preserving nature. To put aside her own interests for a greater purpose. Every believer must learn how to put aside their own interests for the purpose of God. Jesus said these words. He said in John 9, he said, I must work the works of him who sent me because the night comes when no one can work. So I must work while it is day. And there's, there's a dual metaphor in that. In other words, he's saying, the day is the general accepted time for work. And he's also implying that when the night comes, when he's, when he's led before Potiphar, uh, uh, not Potiphar, I'm going to say Potiphar, when he's led before Pilate, and he's tried, and he's crucified, he won't be able to do the works that he, that he was doing. So darkness was coming. And so he had to fulfill his purpose and do the works of him who sent him while it was day, while he had the time. Because we are time people. You've heard the expression, I don't know if you've heard the expression, but it's quite a, quite a popular expression that says that the Jews have a term for it. Not, sorry, not the Jews, the Greeks have a term for it. Because the Greeks were masters of philosophy, okay? masters of literature and language. And so if you thought of a word, the possibility is the, 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 the Greeks have already thought of it. And so when we read the scripture in Ephesians 5 and verse 16, where the Bible says, redeeming the time for the days of evil. If you don't do some homework and you don't peel away the English translation, you will miss what the Greeks implied or what Paul implied or what scripture implies. And so the Bible says, walk circumspectly, not as fools do, but as the wise do. Redeeming the time for the days of evil, uh, the days are evil. The Jews had two terms for the word time. The first word was chronos. That's, that refers to how we generally measure time, how we generally measure our days by the clock the second term they use is the term kairos and kairos does not refer to how we generally measure time in our days it refers to definitive moments opportune moments moments of transition moments of of significance and meaning so so 
when the term chronos is used, it's used to refer to the general measure of time, but when the term kairos is used, it's used to refer to definitive moments, defining moments in your life, opportune moments in your life. And so when the scripture says redeeming the time, it does not imply that you redeem the general measure of time, no. What the scripture is saying that we should redeem the Kairos moments because the days are evil. In other words, redeem the opportune times. Buy back or buy into opportune times. Invest in defining moments. We've got to start thinking of life in moments. That's how we've got to think about life, in defining moments. There are generally, generally a few defining moments that, that happen in our lives annually, you know. They are transitions, they are milestones, and they are pits. Okay? Those are defining moments or opportune times. Transitions, milestones, and pits. Okay? Transitions generally refer to promotions at work or refer to I'm single and now I'm married. That's a transition. I've moved from the cold corridors of bachelorhood <laughs> to the warm room of marriage. <laughs> Those are transitions. Every one of us go through seasons of transition. Yeah? We employed one moment and we are unemployed the next moment. We are in the relationship one moment and then we're not in a relationship another moment. Those are transitions. And those are defining moments in our life. I had a defining moment when I was about 15, 16 years old and crossed over into puberty. It was a defining moment for me because I was trying to figure out what are these emotions that I'm feeling. <laughs> but we all go through transitions in life. From Kaiserin to Joburg, Gauteng. From Gauteng to Cape Town. Those are transitions and those are defining moments in your life. Milestones. The day Opatili turned 50 was a milestone. The day he turned 60 and, and figured that he might be able to qualify for Sasa <laughs> was a milestone. We have different milestones in our lives. Sweet 16. Or milestone when you first pick up, picked up an instrument or played the guitar or graduated. Those are milestones. Those are Kairos moments and defining moments in our life. We also have, have valley moments in our lives, what we refer to as pits. Dark moments in our lives where we lose someone, we lose a loved one, or we lost something precious to us. Or if you live in Haldecrane, you lost a dog, <laughs> and you're totally you're traumatized. <laughs> but during those times of darkness, and those low times and valleys in your life, 
those are defining moments, but those defining moments are also opportune moments. Every time you come into the presence of God, I want to suggest to you that a Kairos moment is available to you. Every time you step into the presence of God, whether this is in your prayer closet, whether this is you joining a prayer meeting at work, whether this is you coming to church on a Sunday, every time you come into the presence of God, you are presented with a possible Kairos moment, a defining moment. And that's why personally, I don't, I don't like to miss church. Because that one service might be the service I need to be in. That's why I don't like to miss my devotions. I don't like to not read my scriptures. I don't like to not speak about Jesus because I might miss out on an opportune moment. And you see this throughout the scriptures. Jesus is walking by and he's passing by a tax collector who's, who's notorious for being corrupt who is notorious for swindling the people from, from their livelihood. And while Jesus is walking by, he could have just sat back and said, "Ah, oh, it's just Jesus, you can carry on. But no, he recognized that that was a defining moment, an opportune time to get the attention of Jesus. And so what did that little man do? He climbed a sycamore tree and he provoked the attention of Jesus. And Jesus looked at this short man on a sycamore tree and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Salvation has now come to your home. An opportune time when, when a Kairos moment presents itself. It's a window of opportunity. When that moment is gone, there is no guarantee it will come back. That's why the preachers like to say, that the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. That opportunity may come back in another 10 years or 20 years or may never come back again. And for Zacchaeus and for blind Bartimaeus, that moment wasn't coming back again. It was the only time to reach out for Christ. Sometimes meeting different people encounters with people present you with opportune times a friend of mine some years ago we were we were having a conversation with this gentleman and it was just a casual conversation and this gentleman was completely lost completely lost bound by drugs and so no way of coming out. And we're having a conversation, just a general conversation. Nobody's thinking about ministry. Nobody's thinking about witnessing to this guy. And then for some reason, the conversation turned. And we started speaking about Jesus. And when we began to speak about Jesus, this guy began to break down and cry. We spoke about the cross. We spoke about the sacrifice of the cross. And in that moment, he was presented with a Kairos moment. In that moment, he gave his heart to the Lord, right on that street corner. And up to this day, 
he is still serving the Lord. Amen. Had he not spent time with us, or had we not met him and had a conversation, he would have missed a Kairos moment. Sometimes answering your phone, even when you don't want to answer your phone, could be a Kairos moment. Someone would say, uh, sorry, am I speaking to Mr. Elliot? Yes, you're speaking to Mr. Elliot. Wow, I just uh, threw your, your name from a lucky draw. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you get the picture. Life is filled with a series of opportunities. And time is the container for opportunity. How do we seize and redeem and invest and identify Kairos moments? One of the best ways you can prepare for a Kairos moment in your life, that answer you've been looking for for all your life, that breakthrough in your life and family, two keys. Firstly, commitment, preparation, and consistency prepares you for what's favorable. If you're consistent and you're committed, preparation is an opportunity to meet favor. If you are inconsistent, favor struggles to locate you. It's a simple matter of discipline. You just keep doing what's rudimentary. You just keep going to work. I know you hate your job. <laughs> I know there's times you don't feel like going to work. You just keep going to church. You just keep praying. You just keep being consistent. You just keep doing things repeatedly. You won't learn a musical instrument without discipline and repetition. You just keep doing what you've been doing consistently. And consistency generates momentum. And momentum generates energy. And energy creates impact and breakthrough. When it's your time to speak and the boss says, hey, but you've been consistent. You've been the first one here and the last one to leave. Let's trust you with an opportunity to hold this meeting at work. And you hold the meeting and they're like, wow, we didn't know Greenville was this kind of caliber, you know? Preparation meets opportunity. Opportunity must find you prepared. Sometimes opportunity comes whether you are prepared or not. The Kairos moment comes whether you're prepared or not. Dare it find you unprepared. Dare it find you and you don't even have a CV drafted up. Can you believe it? I fight sometimes with some of my friends. You're looking for a job, but you haven't even drafted up a CV. I ask you to email your CV, and you're like, 
I don't have an email address. It takes two minutes to create. You have data. Create an email address. Sometimes opportunity comes and it finds you unprepared. Be ready. Be prepared. Be consistent. Be disciplined. You want breakthrough in your life. You've got to be consistent in your relationship with God. You can't be on, off, on, off, hot, cold, hot, cold. Don't date God. Commit to Him. The second way we redeem Kairos moments is by flipping the script. The script generally relates to something that is predictable in your life. Something that meets our expectation. I know that when some of you walk through those doors on a Sunday morning, I know exactly where you're going to sit. <laughs> you run with the script. When we go to restaurants, I know exactly what Layla's going to order. Layla goes for the weirdest thing you can find. I know what Zue is going to say in a certain moment. I know how some of you praise and worship. But what, what if some of you flipped the script and said, today I'm going to raise my hands in worship. And not have my hands in my pockets. What if you flipped the script and said, I haven't read my Bible this whole year. I think I'm going to give it a try. What if you flipped the script and said, I'm going to dance in his presence. I'm going to shout in his name. What if you flipped the script and said, I am tired of this ungodly relationship I have. It has been holding me back for years. What if you did something unpredictable in your life? That could create a Kairos moment for you. We have this mentality that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You know? Uh, strike when the iron is hot. If you have that mentality, you won't seize the moment. Because some moments don't happen by happenstance or by random so sovereignty or happenstances. No, some moments must be created by you. When you decide to flip the script, when you decide I want to stand up against this abuser, and say, enough is enough, you will lay not another hand on me. When you finally decide that you're going to go against the script. So don't wait for the iron to become hot to strike. Strike until the iron becomes hot. Create moments. You create moments with God. Some of us are waiting for God encounters. We're waiting for Gabriel or Michael to pitch up in our room and pray closets. That is not going to happen by, by standard rule. You have to get the attention of heaven. Your two-minute noodle prayers when you go down to, to bed at night saying, Oh God, oh I'm struggling, oh please help me, my, my family. That's not going to cut it. No, 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 no. Desperation and passion and flipping the script is going to get the attention of heaven. 
there's a Canaanite woman that comes to Jesus. And this woman comes while Jesus is on the way with his, with, with his disciples. And, and while he's on the way, she comes and she cries out, Master, Rabbi, son of David, my daughter's possessed. She needs deliverance. Please, will you come and deliver her and set her free? And you know what Jesus does? Jesus continues walking. Pays her no attention. No attention. And she keeps on pursuing. And she says, please, I beg you, son of David, my daughter, my daughter. And then Jesus insults her. You know that Jesus, meek and mild Jesus, baby Jesus in the manger. You know that Jesus that fed the 5,000, five loaves and two fishes that was moved with compassion, compassionate Jesus, loving Jesus that said, suffer little children to come unto me. Jesus said, shall I take from what is the children's bread and give it to the dogs? At that point, she could have got offended and said, you're calling me a dog? you calling me a dog? Do you think you're better than me? How dare you? No, 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 no. She said, Lord, even the dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the children's table. She was persistent. She was desperate. And your Kairos moments and opportune moments are waiting for you to get desperate enough. Yeah. You're not desperate enough. And some of us play God like a switch on, off, on, off, on, off. And God is saying, I want to do so much more for you, but, but your inconsistency is not allowing me to. I want to, my hands are tied. I wish I could, but your lack of faith, your heart of unbelief is making it difficult for me to reach out to you. We have to learn to flip the script. And some of you here are complaining and saying, oh, he's gone so cold. He doesn't hold me at night. You know, he doesn't cuddle with me anymore. All he does is sit in front of that TV and watch the PSL or English Premier League all day, every day. Gives me no attention. He doesn't tell me how beautiful I am. And God is saying, flip the script. Get him that PS5. <laughs> Flip the script. Do something out of the ordinary. Do something you won't, he won't expect you to do. You know? Yeah. You know, spoil him maybe. Maybe he'll flip the script. Maybe he'll spark up the relationship. Or maybe buy your flowers. Romance. Do something that they don't expect you to do. Don't follow the script. They've been reading they, your script for years. They know exactly how you're going to respond, in the manner you're going to respond, where you're going to sit when you come home. Flip the script. Flip the script in your ministry. You know, when you meet folk, even some family, and you know, sometimes you have one or two family members that speak gibberish, you know, you know you'll catch what I mean. You know, their conversation is not heaven graced, <laughs> no season with them. Now and again, flip the script. I said, no, I don't talk about this. Let's talk about Jesus. Or now and again, shock someone and actually correct someone. 
and say, brother, what you're saying is wrong. And sometimes we've been allowing so much to slide, so much under the door, under the radar. And God is saying, if you want this individual to change, you have to flip the script on the conversation. And I had this cousin, we, we were very close, and I was, when, when I got saved, I hope I'm not taking up too much time, babe, but when, when, I got, when I got saved, I was so radically saved, I was telling the guys, uh, you know, when I got saved, I didn't even want to cut the cross at home. I want to be at church. I want to cut the cross. I no, 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 I'm busy I'm doing the work of the Lord, I can't be cutting cross. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and uh, anyway, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, yeah. So I had this cousin. And he was haltering between serving the Lord, not serving the Lord. And I would Bible bash him. And I would say, come on, man. Jesus is coming back. You could die today. Today you could die. Your life's not right. And then he cursed God. He said, no, I don't think this is for me. No, no, no. Yeah, I don't believe in God. And in that moment... I, I did something, I said something so crazy, I shocked him, I said, I said, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> I said, you just blasphemed against the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And in my ignorance, I gave him the shock of his life. He gave his heart to the Lord the next day. <laughs> he was serving the Lord in church. But he did, I did something that was unexpected from him. You know? And sometimes you need to present people with the hard truth and the hard facts about life. So do something that breaks the stereotypical experience. When you enter into a Kairos moment, an opportune defining moment in your life, there's two things that will happen. Okay? One of two things will happen. Number one, Kairos moments are marked by acceleration. In other words, what can take years to accomplish and achieve for the general individual can take you a few days or weeks or months because you stepped in and redeemed a moment. Because you stepped up and said, I'm going to apply for that tender. Because you said, I'm going to start that business. And when you grab hold of an opportune time, God is able to accelerate certain things in your life. You think about Nehemiah. Okay. In the time of Nehemiah, the walls of Jerusalem had not been built for over 120 years. 120 years. And then for 50 years, they tried to build a wall and failed because of the enemies. But Nehemiah seized the moment, came into a Kairos season, and he said, I'm going to build a wall. And he found favor from the king. Nehemiah knows nothing about building walls. And he built that wall in 52 days. 52. What took over 150 years took 52 years because Nehemiah sees the moment. And some of you need to be on the lookout for Kairos moments. Some of you need to try and create these kind of Kairos moments. When God is moving and the waters are stirred, you better clum and debat. Bamba testa. Clum and debat. 
Kairos moments are marked by acceleration and Kairos moments are marked by unusual moments. You step into a Kairos moment and you will see certain habits you struggle to break fall off. You step into a Kairos moment and what you expected never to happen in a million years will happen in just a moment. And one moment of favor, Kairos moment, is better in a lifetime of labor. And Wesley's ministered here before, and I like to tell this, this story. There was one moment in a barber shop that Wesley redeemed and says, this is my moment. After like a 10, 15 year addiction, he said, this is my moment. I want to receive Jesus. And in that moment, there was not even a need for a rehab. It all happened for him, an unusual moment. Most people find their deliverance through rehabilitation centers. But in that moment, something happened. And what he was never able to do before in rehabs happened in a barber shop. Because it was a Kairos moment. And so, as children of God, we have to start living in the moments. We have to be consistent and prepared for when these moments happen. We have to flip the script on our life and change the way we've been doing things. If we keep on doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, we are foolish. We have to learn to flip the script. And some of you are here and you're like, I've never truly experienced a close relationship with God. And God's saying, script it. Flip the script. What if you decided to put off your TV and fast for seven days? And what if you decided, hey, I'm not going to do a Daniel fast. I'm going to dry fast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and what if you decided, I'm going I'm to read through the New Testament this week. And what if you decided, hey, I'm going to go knock on my neighbor's door and tell him about Jesus. Or hey, I'm going to be consistent in my prayer time in my devotion. Hey, I typically like to sit at the back of the church. Can I be involved? Can I flip the script? How can I change the narrative of my life? God is calling us to redeem the moments. And when you step into the moment, you invest in that moment. You redeem the time and you flip the script on your life story. Amen. Amen. Some of you may be complaining about how single you are. You need to flip the script. You know? Maybe just go and ask someone out on a date for coffee. You get the idea. Do you get the idea, Chef? We are time people created for moments and created with a purpose. Can we stand?